Hey everybody, welcome to the X Report and Happy New Year. I'm Raven X and alongside me today, I got my co-host, aka the biggest Grizzlies and Titans fan I know, aka the proud owner of a Triple J jersey and a Jaw jersey and a Derrick Henry jersey. Biggie, aka Ethan Tate. How you doing, Ethan? Not gonna lie, I'm still trying to wake myself up because my sleep schedule is a joke right now. But uh, but you know, it's it's Saturday. We're one day away from the end of the regular season for football. It's a lot going on. I'm excited. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, before we get into the show, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. How we start off every football discussion with our college football player spotlight. So, I have a player in mind, but instead I'm going to do it a little differently. Um, so, as we all know, the Heisman winner is going to be announced this Tuesday. And the candidates thus far are Kyle Trask, quarterback for Florida, Mac Jones, quarterback for Bama, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for Clemson, and wide receiver Devontae Smith, wide uh, he plays for Alabama. So, Ethan, in your opinion, who do you think is the rightful winner for this year's Heisman? totally agree with you just because Mac Jones is fine, but it's I think that he's a product of the talent around him, which is what happens with a lot of Alabama quarterbacks. I mean, even with Jalen Waddle being out, I mean, Devontae Smith has really carried the load. He's been amazing, not to mention Najee Harris in the backfield. And I mean, I feel this argument on a personal level because I was NCAA 13. I was a wide receiver in Michigan. I had, I don't remember how many over 2,000 yards, almost 3,000, over 30 touchdowns, and I got hold for the Heisman because they gave it to my quarterback. And I was pissed. It's not fair. And I feel like by looking at what Devontae Smith has been doing for how many touchdowns he's been able to produce, even though this is a short season, how he's been able to dominate literally everybody, I mean, if it's not given to him, it'd be messed up. Because, in my opinion, he's also, he'd be my pick for the Heisman by a long shot. But, realistically, it may go to the quarterback. Honestly, I in the lead, it looked like it was going to be Kyle Trask. But then after this last game against Oklahoma, I think that probably hurt that case a bit. So, I say give it to Devontae Smith. We haven't had a non-quarterback Heisman winner since 2015. Do you know who won it? Yes, sir. All right, speaking of Derrick Henry, let's talk, uh, let's recap week 16. 
Now, uh, starting with Christmas Day, it was a massacre for the, by the Saints, uh, beating the Vikings 52-33. On Saturday, we got a triple header. Uh, Bucks beat Lions 47-7. 49ers shocked the Cardinals 20-12. And then the Dolphins and the Raiders put on a heartbreaking, frustrating game for Raiders fans and anybody who need the Raiders to win. But the Dolphins went in 26-25. Uh, moving on to Sunday, the Ravens beat the Giants 27-13. Uh, the Bengals beat the Texans 37-31. Uh, Seahawks beat Rams 20-9. Jets uh, upset the Browns 23-16. Bears beat Jags 41-17. Chiefs beat Falcons 17-14. Steelers beat Colts 28-24. Chargers beat Broncos 19-16. Uh, Panthers beat the Washington football team 20-13. Uh, Dallas Cowboys blow out the Eagles 37-17. Packers beat the Titans Sunday night 40-14. And then the Buffalo Bills cement their case for being a potential contender, blowing out the Patriots 38-9. Now, after the week, we both ended up going a solid record of uh, 7-5, so it's respectable. Ethan, what are your top three takeaways from this week's action? was a problem and it's funny because of course Malcolm Butler did all that jawing after he ended up getting a pick but Devontae Adams had over 100 yards on him after that fact so it was like you really can't talk nothing but yeah no it was for me it was like it was either going to be a close game or it was going to be a game like the Browns game so this it may, definitely makes this week 17 more intense for y'all for a lot of teams um, looking at that playoff picture but uh, let's talk the players we're most impressed by Disappointed by and our rookies of the week starting with me. I'm gonna say the player I was most impressed by has to be uh Saints running back Alvin Kamara. Rushed for 155, six touchdowns, ties a record set by Gale Sayer back in what was it, 1965, 64 for most touchdowns in a game. I mean, I think it's a well-known fact that even though Alvin Kamara is one of the top running backs in the league, like he's very rarely ever just dominating a team on the ground. Usually he's being great because not only is he catching passes, but he's also running the ball. And, like, he's using his versatility to win games. But on Christmas, I mean, he literally was just running through the Vikings at will. 
And I know Mike Zimmer was pissed about it. I bet every player on the team was pissed about it. But it was really impressive to see him take over a game like that. Well, he's been taking over games for much this season, but you know what I mean. So, yeah, he was my most impressive player. Yeah, I got to go with Adam Kamara, too, for a multitude of reasons. One of them being he gave me, like, 56 points in fantasy. But, uh, yeah, to, like you stated, he's normally the guy that he, – he, he's known for dominating games, but he's more so known for dominating games from being a dual three type of running back. Right. It's never been just a – just I'm going to appear – I'm going to be a pure rusher and pound the rock and just dominate that way. And to see that he did is against well, – in my opinion, what I thought – that the beginning of the season was going to be a pretty decent defense in the Vikings. And to match a record, he honestly probably could have broke it yeah. if we're being honest. But I got to go have him come on. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy, I'm happy you brought it up. My Heartbreak Kids won the X Report Fantasy Football League. Go us. Shout out to Devontae uh, Adams and Mike uh Mike Evans for having big weeks. Because I'm not going to lie. After Drew Brees' game, I was like, Screw. I'm like, dang. Because I benched him in favor of uh, Phillip Rivers, and I was stressed. But we pulled it out. Go heartbreak, kids. Thank you for everybody who participated in the league. It's always fun. Uh, I'm thinking about making a couple more changes, like add defensive players to make it even more fun next year. Side tangent. But, yeah, congratulations to the heartbreak kids. Um, but, yeah, Newman Arturo's disappointed player – for me, it's got to be Baker Mayfield. Now, I know he had a lot of extenuating circumstances coming in, losing your top four receivers. is tough. Um, not having your offensive line at full strength is tough. But, one, I know that any NFL team, I mean, they're in the NFL for a reason, but it's the Jets. Like, you should be able to overcome the Jets. Their run, his run game didn't do him much favors, but still, you still have people like Austin Hooper, who your team gave a whole bunch of money to, Harrison Bryant, who was supposed to be a decent, who has been decent most of this year, David Njoku, who looks like he's playing motivated. Hell, you couldn't even put Kareem Hunt out at wide receiver because Baker has that comfortability with him. But not only did the passing game not really get itself going, he fumbled the ball three times, lost two of them. The first fumble, I can't really give him too much flack for just because his left tackle literally just whiffed, like, um, the end, I think it was John Franklin Miles, like, came across with nobody blocking him. So, I mean, you can only do so much. But the last one was they were in Jets territory. They had an opportunity to score, potentially tie the game or win the game, and he coughed the ball up. You cannot do that in such a pivotal situation because now they're in a nearly must-win game this week. If you're Baker Mayfield, you have to put your team in a better situation. days after that game.
Right. But you lost to the Jets. Like, y'all got to do better. Absolutely. Now, uh, my rookie of the week, this is a first-timer. It's going to go Packers running back A.J. Dillon. Um, he was a player who, when I initially drafted him, I was kind of surprised just because it was like you have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is still in tow. But both of them are in line to get contracts soon. So, I mean, with games like this, he makes a strong case for potentially being their back of the future. Had 21 carries, 124 rushing yards, two touchdowns against the Titans. Played really well. You wouldn't know that this was his first game getting significant action. So I'm going to give the nod to him. It makes it interesting. Of course, I still keep Aaron Jones just because of his versatility. But, I mean, shout out to him. All right, let's look at the current playoff picture. Um, Like I said, a lot can change after tomorrow's slate of games. But for right now, here's where we stand. The Chiefs have solidified the first round bye. They are good. Going to be resting Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the second seed, Bills, are slated to play the Browns. Third seed, Steelers, are slated to play the Ravens. And the Titans right now are slated to face the Dolphins with the Indianapolis Colts on the outside looking in. So, Ethan, as of right now, how do you feel like your team matches up against the Dolphins? facing the Steelers and if you've ever heard me talk or if you know anything about me I want the Steelers I want the Steelers bad because first game I knew we were gonna lose that game it I mean I'm not gonna say it wasn't a big deal but I knew it was coming the second game it was really inspiring to see despite us being having almost 30 people on the COVID list have not without our starting quarterback running back receivers like we were depleted in a lot of areas and yet we almost beat them. And so from seeing that and from seeing how their offense had performed, well, overall their team had performed in the next three games after that, it's like I want to see us healthy against the Steelers. I want to see what we can do against this team. Of course, I know it's the playoffs and they're going to fight harder, but I like how we match up against this team, especially with how we're coming into the playoffs and how we're playing. So I wouldn't be mad if things stayed the way that we they are. I've said it before, like I said, like I feel like we match up best against the Steelers. I don't count us out against either of the three teams, but the Steelers are the team that I want the most for personal and um, play reasons. So as of right now, I'm good with the playoff matchup. I, I hope it stays the same. I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. All right, let's look at the NFC. 
the Green Bay Packers are listed as the number one seed, but things could change barring a loss to the Bears on Sunday. But the number two seed, New Orleans Saints, are going to be facing the seven-seeded seven Bears. Uh, Seattle Seahawks are going to face the Rams again. And the Washington football team are still in the lead of the NFC East, uh, slated to face the Bucks. Now, Ethan, it is a foot race at this point uh, for the NFC East and for the seventh seed. So we can kind of get to the seventh seed a bit later. But for the NFC East, in your opinion, do you feel like Washington holds on or do you think it's going to end up going to the Cowboys or Giants? this Sunday like I think that Washington is going to be able to pull it out reason being I think that this defense is going to try to put together its best game of the year just because it's no secret that they have to do it they have to be the ones to carry the load because if they don't it's not going to work I think the game that Philly just had against Dallas pretty much just showcases that they are still a team with many flaws. You know, it was not just Carson Wentz who made this team bad. Their defense has its issues. Like, most of their secondary has been playing rough. Their receiving core is not good. Their offensive line has been terrible all year. Like, they need a lot of help. And I think that Washington is going to be able to exploit them not having much offensive line. I feel like they're going to get to Jalen Hurts quite a bit. And I trust... Yeah, I would say it. I trust Washington's secondary more than I trust Philly's receivers. And then I think that, well, I'll get to my thoughts about Washington's quarterback situation a bit later. But, yeah, I think Washington's going to be able to do it. Um, I think that the Cowboys, like you said, offensively, they are starting to look good. Um, Michael Gallup finally got himself really going this past week. But overall, like, I think it's going to go to Washington. But... Like I said, in the NFC East, man, you never really know. But all right, let's talk some news. So there are a few aging quarterbacks in the league, one of them being Phillip Rivers, who signed a one-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts this offseason. And Rivers himself knows that this could potentially be his last game of his career. Um, He talked about it in a recent interview saying, I hope that, this, that there is a year or two in Indianapolis. I think I'm going to want to play again. But... Who knows? Depending on how the season ends, uh, this is going to be his 240th consecutive start. Um, and so, Ethan, first off, do you think that this will be Phillip Rivers' last game if they are, if they do lose to the Jags? And if you are the Colts, would you want to bring him back next year?
Yeah, he, has, he doesn't have that many. to bring him in, not because he played bad this year. Like, he played fine. My thought process of it would be, I want to finally have some continuity at quarterback. And I know me saying that is kind of an oxymoron because I'm saying I would let go of the guy and not bring him back for another year. But, I mean, for the last three years, they've had at least different three different starting quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, but he ended up retiring. It's been, it was the um, Jacoby Brissett. And that's what Jacoby Brissett. It was um, Philip Rivers. I want to get a guy who not only can be here long term, but also can like grow with this offense. I want to get somebody who can also get the continuity because it's. I, I'm sure it's been frustrating for Ty. You know, he's a good receiver, but I mean, every year you're looking up and you're with the new quarterback. Like it's really hard to get that kind of chemistry, which is why I kind of feel like they started off the season a bit slow because they didn't really know each other. And then not having an offseason only made it harder. So I think that, um, honestly, I think that I would want to get somebody younger who I could know would be there at least for a few years rather than having to start all the way over. But, yeah, I think Phillip Rivers, I mean, there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback. I mean, whether it be young or old. Like if I'm a team like Washington – we just saw what happened with the last young quarterback that they just had. Maybe they will try to go a bit older and hope to get more maturity in a Phillip Rivers. That would be a good signing. You can see the Patriots doing something like that. So there are te- there is a job for Phillip Rivers. Um, yeah, yeah, Jacksonville, but I feel like they're going to draft somebody. Well, I, no, they're going to draft somebody, but I don't think – my thing is – I'm sorry, go ahead. He's not taking no veteran minimum. He got what? Seven kids? Six, seven kids? You're right. But I'm just saying, like, if you can get Philip Rivers at a decent price tag, you can bring him in to mentor Trevor Lawrence. Because I feel like, I think Philip Rivers is one of those guys where it's like, he could do that role. Like, I don't think, I don't see him as like an Aaron Rodgers type of person where Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm not going to coach up the young kid. I'm just that personally I don't think that Phil Rivers would want to be a backup like I feel like if he had a bad year this year he may want to go be a backup but I think that because of his the skill set he still has I think that he's going to try to go to a situation where he would start um so that's the only that's my only part where I disagree I think he will try to go somewhere where he can start and I feel like if a starting job is not there then that be may be um when he decides to call it quits but uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Miami has an interesting quarterback situation, as we all know. Um, t- 
Tua Tagovailoa got pulled in the fourth quarter when they were down against the Raiders in favor for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who seemingly plays his best ball in crunch time. If you don't believe me, just look at the no-look pass he had, which was honestly one of the best plays I've seen in a long time. But, Ethan, in your opinion, we talked about this even when Ryan Fitzpatrick got benched. We didn't necessarily think that it was the right move because Ryan Fitzpatrick had been playing well. And so I know that Ryan can't play this Sunday due to um he's been put on the COVID list. But Ethan, who do you think that the Dolphins are better with at quarterback? Unfortunately, he can't play this week because he was put on the COVID list. So it is all on Tua, which is a lot of pressure because they have they don't have to. But if they lose this game, it makes it very difficult to make the playoffs. But yeah, like I agree, I would have stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first place, and I would still do it today. Like Tua has been fine; he has not made many mistakes. But the thing is, there's a difference between playing smart and playing too conservatively and that's what he does like he doesn't really take many shots downfield because he doesn't want to make a mistake he'll just do a quick check down and throw the ball away whereas Ryan Fitzpatrick like you said has seen every defense has seen every blitz package he's way more aggressive and it's clear that that aggressiveness has really helped make the Dolphins a better team and so I think that for the Dolphins of course Tua is your future barring some catastrophe or fall from grace he's going to be your the quarterback of your future but I feel like right now it would have benefited them to keep starting Ryan just so he can continue to learn and grow. If anything, bring Tua in for those games that uh, seem to be like are out of hand. You guys have already won. Or if it seems like a blowout, then, yeah, go ahead. Let Tua get some action. But, yeah, like I don't – I think that Ryan should have continued to be the starter. And I feel like games like um, loss against Las Vegas really echo that sentiment. All right, speaking of another quarterback, because this is just a quarterback-heavy show, Dwayne Haskins. The saga seems to have finally come to an end. Early this week, following um, the Washington's loss to the Panthers, uh, Dwayne Haskins was released by the team. He said this, I take full responsibility for not meeting the standards of an NFL quarterback and will will become a better man and player because of this experience. So, Ethan, do you feel like Dwayne Haskins will get another opportunity. And if so, how long do you think it will be? I think he'll get another opportunity because he's a young guy. And you know how the NFL is. They are, they're known for giving people a second 
Right. I think that for him, I don't know how long it's going to be. I think it might be maybe a year or two down the line. Mm hmm. decision-making on and off the field. I think that the big issue, an issue that even Urban Meyer um, alluded to prior to him getting drafted was just his maturity. Like, he's very immature. And then we've seen that in just the last two years that he was with Washington. I mean, how do you miss the final play of your first career win just because you want to take pictures? Like, dog, you could do that after the game is over. Just take the knee and get on the field. And then... Um, I was reading a post made by Washington fans, and one thing that they were saying, like how he would go out to clubs and everything, like, and it was um, without mask on. It was like, dude, your coach literally just got through dealing with a bout of cancer. How can you be that irresponsible to do that? And just little things like that. And I feel like if you really want to be not only an NFL quarterback, but a starting NFL quarterback to be the face of a franchise, you have to make better decisions. You can't be that immature. You have to be not only think of yourself, but also the team. Like if you really want that job, you got to be, like you said, first one in, last one out. Like you should never leave the practice field. You should always be working. And it seemed like we see it all the time with athletes or just people in general. Like they post on social media, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But like, as far as how hard they're working, but it never really parlays to anything. And I kind of think that's what happened with Dwayne Haskins. So, I think that, I think an opportunity will come. I just think that he has to really show that he wants this. Like, not just talk about it, actually be about Like, I'll, he has to really work hard for this. Because the thing is, if you're a quarterback, there's almost no better situation than Washington. Because they desperately need a quarterback. And so for you to blow it in Washington, that's going to open a lot of teams' eyes and be like, oh, man, this kid, this kid's got some issues. This kid's not ready. But I think he'll get an opportunity. I just think that – I think it won't be until after the draft, until after teams, hopefully they get a full offseason, uh, unlike this past year where they actually get to see what they have, unfortunately, see what injuries they get, and that's when he'll get picked up. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen um, anytime soon. All right, one more quarterback thing before we talk Julio. Jimmy G, who 
after winning five games in his first five games with San Francisco, find a five-year, $137 million contract, which for the life of me, I still don't understand. But since then, he does have a Super Bowl appearance on his resume, but he does not play in many games. He's been pretty average at best, but has really struggled to really showcase why he should continue being the 49ers starting quarterback. Now, when asked about uh, the 49ers quarterback future, uh, head coach Kyle Shanahan said, I do believe Jimmy is going to be our quarterback next year, which, if you ask me, doesn't sound all that convincing. So, Ethan, do you really believe that Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers heading into the 2021 season? Sorry to cut you off. Ryan Tannehill had his injury concerns early in Miami. He had those times, but like since he's been in Tennessee, he has been really healthy. trade him but the question then is what is really his trade market like a, a popular trade destination is New England which I could definitely see that happening but if a trade can't get done I would keep him but I would still draft the quarterback 
I mean, I want to say they're like top 16 right now if the uh, draft were to start today. So they still could get a quality player, um, possibly Zach Wilson, if things fall into place for them. And if worst case, I mean, you could bring in a guy like Kyle Trask or Mac Jones and just build them up, help them grow, let them sit and get accustomed to the roster. Because I don't feel like Jimmy G is the quarterback of the future. Like, I, the only way I think he stays past this next season is if he leads them to the Super Bowl. And, like, I'm, when I say lead, I mean, like, he actually gets them there. But if not, I could see him being on the way out. So why not just kind of set yourself up for the future and then draft somebody to help bring this team together or at least be the quarterback for this team. Because, I mean, sure, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beth are like some backup, Some days they look like great backups. Other times they look garbage. Like it's really no telling what you're going to get from either of those guys. So why not just prepare for the future and then get yourself a future quarterback of the future just in case Jimmy G does not pan out. But all right, now before we make our game picks for Week 17, usually in the most – Fun week because so much can happen. Let's talk Julio. Now, we talked about it earlier in the year after the uh, Falcons fired head coach. Hello, Kiki. Hi, how are you? I like your shirt. Thank you. You're sad. Hey, Ethan. Hola. Oh, yeah, you guys haven't actually corresponded verbally in a while. It's been like eight years, right? Something like that. Something like that. At least a year. Something. But, yeah, so when we talked about it what after – Okay. After quarterback, I mean, I'm sorry, Dan Quinn and uh, Thomas Dimitrov, Falcons general manager, were fired. Uh, it seemed like a fire sale was going to be taking place in Atlanta, which threw around big names such as Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Now, at first, it seemed like those talks really weren't going to go anywhere, but now they might become a bit legitimized. Um Reports are coming out again that the Falcons could be looking to trade Julio Jones. And like we did last week with James Harden, uh, Bleacher Report put out some potential trade offers uh, for Julio. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pick the deal that sounds the best. So, Ethan, I'm going to read them all to you, but i also send them to you in case you need another look. But uh, here are the potential trade offers, starting with the Patriots. Patriots would get Julio. Uh, the Falcons will receive the Patriots' first-round pick this year, their sixth-round pick, and a 2022 third-round pick. Uh, the Ravens, up there, uh, getting Julio and a 2026-round pick. Uh, what the Ravens will give up is a 2021st-round pick, a third-round pick this year, and then um, next year's third-round pick. Uh, the Jets, a 2021st-round pick, their second one, which would be Seattle, so the one that's in the late 20s. And a 20, uh, 2021 second round pick. Um, the Colts, their 20, 21st round pick. Um, a fourth round pick for this year. And then a third round pick for next year. And then finally the Dolphins who would receive Julio in the fifth round pick for a first round pick this year. Their first round pick, not the one they got from the Texans. And a 2021 this year, a second round pick. So of these deals, if you are the Falcons, which one would you take? Yeah. So I'm gonna go with 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Of course, me being biased, I would love to have Julio. But realistically, of the teams um, and the draft positioning, I would probably go... I would probably... Probably, I would... I'm going to say the Colts. I'm going to say the Colts because of the teams right now, if the season were to end right now, they would have the highest draft pick. I'm sorry, I lied. Besides the Patriots. Um, yeah, and, but then you would still be getting a pick, another pick for this year, which was what? the A fourth-round pick, which you can always get something out of that. And you would get a third-round pick for next year. And most importantly, you wouldn't have to see Julio. He's in a whole nother conference, so it's not like you'd have to face him twice. But, yeah, I would go Indy. Um, Baltimore would be a good pick, but literally just because I feel like the Colts would have a higher pick, and so that would give you a, a better opportunity to get his replacement. Because Calvin really is great, but you still need somebody else in tow um, catching balls for you all. So, now let's go ahead and make game picks for Week 17. Pivotal week for everybody. So, Miami Dolphins versus the Buffalo Bills. I got Bills. I got Bills. Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I've seen this movie too many times. Ravens just win. Please, for the love of God, just win. Yeah, I got the Ravens. Cleveland Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who apparently are going to be sitting Big Ben, Cam Hayward. Uh, TJ Watt and somebody else who I do not remember at the moment. I got Browns, but I would not be surprised if the Steelers still won. Yeah, I got Browns too. Minnesota Vikings taking on the Detroit Lions. Uh, our condolences to Dalvin Cook's family after the loss of his father. Um, R.I.P. But I got Vikings. Yeah, I got Vikings. Uh, New England Patriots versus the New York Jets. A game that really doesn't matter for either team, I guess, unless you factor in draft positioning. I got Patriots because I feel like if the uh, Patriots lose another game, Bill Belichick is going to kill everyone. So. Yeah, and I feel like if the Jets win another game, they're going to kill everybody too. Yeah, so. Yeah, they only have one job, which is lose, so they can get Trevor Lawrence. But that's the gag, like. It, it's just, it's funny to me because, like, the media and, like, fans create such a narrative of, like, tanking for Trevor or whatever. And it's like, I know the players on the team who are all like, F that. I'm not trying to tank for anything. I want to win. So it's just so funny to me when, like, fans and, like, the media, like, I can't believe they won. They only had one job. And the players are like, man, F y'all. Like, I'm trying to win. So it's always funny to me to see that correspondence. Uh, New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys, which could potentially determine the winner of the NFC East. I'm actually going to go Giants. I'm going to go Cowboys. New Orleans Saints taking on the uh, Carolina Panthers. Alvin Kamara and the rest of the Saints running backs are apparently on the COVID list, which means they are going to be out of action. That makes things more interesting. It's going to put things on the back of a... Uh, Drew Brees, but I still got Saints just because I don't trust the Panthers. I got Saints because all they're going to do is put Jason Hill in running back. Pretty much, and it's going to work too. Um, Game, I accidentally skipped my bad. Atlanta Falcons versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw it two weeks ago. Going to see it again. I got Bucks. Yeah, I got Bucks. Green Bay Packers taking on the Chicago Bears. If the Chicago Bears win, they are going to be in the playoffs. If they lose, they're going to be out. 
the Packers already said they're taking this game like a playoff game. So, uh, I got Packers. Yeah, they said they're not resting, but if they're resting a rod, that'd be one thing. Honestly, I just think they're doing it because they're petty and they don't want to see the the Bears in the playoffs. They don't want them to have anything, which is kind of funny to me. Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Indianapolis Colts. I got Colts. Yeah, I got Colts. Tennessee Titans taking on the Houston Texans. I got Titans. I've been the last last year. Um, I got a break from it, but then the three years before that, either it was week sixteen or seventeen of win and win. Week three years ago, when it was against the Steelers on Christmas, if we won the game, we would have won the AFC North. We lost. Year after that, we played the Bengals, which is why I still have PTSD when I see we play the Bengals week seventeen. And also why I hated them even more than I already did. Um, the year after that, we played the Browns, who we were almost, like, we were close to winning, but we had to win that game, and we ended up winning it. So it's stressful. It is not a fun place to be in. And last year spoiled me into thinking that life wasn't supposed to be like that. But here I am, life being like that. Um, Los Angeles Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs, who are resting Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to... Go Chargers, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to go Chargers. Denver Broncos versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going Broncos just because I'm not picking the Raiders for anything else. This I'm, I'm, I can't do it. They are probably the most frustrating team to watch in the league. Who did you say? Oh, I said the Broncos. Because I yeah, can't I'm do the Raiders. Raiders, so I got to go Broncos, too. Yeah, the Raiders are exhausting. Like, I feel for Raiders fans because that – that's that's horrible. All right, Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams. Another situation of if the Cardinals win, they are in, and they're going to have an advantage because Jared Goff uh, broke his thumb after the in the Seahawks game. He had surgery, so he's going to be out this week. So I got Cardinals, but I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park, especially because Kyler Murray is dealing with injury concerns of his own. All right, Seattle Seahawks taking on San Francisco 49ers. I know San Francisco may be feeling themselves after last week, which is cool, but I got Seahawks. They have to treat this game like a playoff game just because they have to keep the mentality of playing hard. Yeah, I got the Seahawks. All right, and finally, Sunday night football. Pretty much to see who is going to win the NFC East. The Washington football team, if they win, they win the division. And the Philadelphia Eagles, who just are playing for the chance to play spoiler. I got Washington. What about you? Yeah, I got Washington, too. Because I don't think, like, I'm a fan of Jason Hurts' game. I liked him when he was in Alabama and Oklahoma. But I know the one thing that slows down quarterbacks, especially young ones, is a good front seven. Yeah. And it does not help that his offensive line has been terrible since – well, it's been terrible all year, but he's seeing the effects of it. He saw it last week against the Cowboys of all teams who can't 
hitting nothing. All right, so the players we are watching. Um, offensively, who are you watching? Offensively, I am going to watch Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Which I can definitely understand that. All right, uh, defense. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going, man. No, I'm just going to say he's going to be without his best offensive weapon. I just want to see how he's going to do. And we all, we know everybody's been talking about, like, he's older now. He's not the same quarterback. But I'm going to look at Drew Brees. All right. And then defensively, rookie of the year and the team you're calling. I'm not rookie of the year, but rookie you're watching this week. And the team you are calling out. Exactly. Uh, for me, I wrote down whoever is starting at quarterback for Washington, but it sounds like it's going to be Alex Smith, so Alex Smith. Yes, I trust the defense to make plays, but the offense has to make plays too. They have to capitalize on the short fields that they're going to get because, let's be honest, care, I mean, uh, the Philly's going to turn the ball over. They have to not only just get points, but they can't settle for field goals every time out. They have to try to get some touchdowns. They have to get some advantages. And I think that Alex Smith, he's going to have to be the – start of that. Yes, it's going to be tough because Philly's front seven is really good. Um, Darius Slay has really picked up his play in the last few weeks, but I think that Alex Smith has to do a lot more than we're giving him credit for to really get this game going. I think the defense has to win it, but the offense has to carry their weight. Um, Defensively, I'm going Hassan Reddick, outside linebacker for the Cardinals, because this is a huge game for you guys. You win this game and you're in. Hassan Reddick has been having a great year. It's been highlighted by that five-sack, three-fourths formal performance against the Giants a few weeks back. And right now he's looked at as their best pass rusher. The Rams have been kind of social on the line since Andrew Whitworth went out. So this is the perfect opportunity for him to make plays for his team and help his team make the playoffs. Uh, my rookie actually is going to be Tua because in this game it's all on him. This is a big game for the Dolphins too. If they lose but – the Ravens, Colts, Browns, everybody else wins, they're out of the playoffs. So this is a huge game for Tua. He has to showcase why he should be the quarterback of the future because if he loses this game or plays badly, it's really going to open those up those conversations of if he did start too soon. So this is a lot of pressure on Tua on the young back against a good Bills defense. 
And then, of course, I'm calling out my Ravens. I just talked about it. 2017 against the Bengals. What was it? Fourth and 12. We had one job. Stop them. What did we? What did they do? Scored a touchdown. I don't want to talk about it. It was rough. It was tough. War flashbacks from that game. I know that the Bengals, people are already counting them out. I get that. But I've learned not to count them out, especially in this moment. So please, y'all, I just want to go to the playoffs. I just want to make it. Please don't, 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 don't do what you did a couple years ago. And the gag is a lot of the people who were on that roster aren't there anymore. But for the ones who were there, they remember and they know. I'm not going through that again because this time I will break my TV because I almost broke it last time. But all right, let's move on. Let's talk NBA, of course. Um, fantasy basketball show. Be sure to check that out at any time. The season's only a couple weeks old, so you still should be able to get a draft in. Maybe have even better perspective due to some um, injuries and how things have been playing. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said it like that. Sorry, Ethan. But, yeah, so be sure to check that out. It's already up. All right, so uh, from this past week of action, uh, Ethan, what are your top three takeaways uh, from this week? Top three takeaways, number one, injuries suck, yeah. which, which we, honestly, we already know that. Number two, uh, it's looking like the Lakers going to be a runaway, the runaway team of the NBA again this season. Mm-hmm. And number three, the Milwaukee Bucks are one of the most enigmatic teams I've ever seen. Fair. One game, you drop, you break the record for most threes, and then this game, you lose. Or you lose by what twenty to the Knicks, and then set the record for threes, and then like it's it's been weird. The Bucks have been this season has been weird itself, but the Bucks are the Bucks are uh they're they're not boring. I'll say that. Um, for me, I'll start off with number three. Don't buy the hype with the Magic. They were four and one. That's nice. Markel Fultz has been playing well. They play well. But, I mean, the Magic always kind of, like, go on runs on like this, and then they just wind up doing like they do every year and just being bad. So, don't buy the hype. Like, it's cool. Their record is nice, but I wouldn't. If I saw the Magic on my schedule, I wouldn't lose sleep about it. Uh, number two, Jalen Brown is due to have a career best season. I mean, he's putting up some of his best offensive numbers of his career. You can tell he's really fitting into this offense, etching out his role. He and Jason Tatum are playing well off of each other. So I think that this could be a really huge year for Jalen Brown. And then number one, we're seeing the advantages of having Devin Book of Devin Booker having help. Instead of Devin Booker being the only option, the only player that defenses are focusing on, the Suns now have more weapons. And it's helped them out tremendously. Devin Booker doesn't have to go out his way to score 30 plus a game for this team to compete. He can have games where he scores maybe 20 and they still can win. Right now they're five and one. So yeah, like you're seeing that the Suns have at least this early on, have done a good job of putting nice pieces around him. And so it's it'll be cool to see how it all shakes out as the season continues. But uh, let's talk Mamba Players of the Week starting in the Eastern Conference. Mine might shock you, but uh, who you got, Ethan? Mine, I got to go with KD Steele. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still putting in, he's still putting up good numbers in our winning games. So I got to go with KD. All right, so... This is a guy who I never, and I do mean ever, would think. I would call him a Mamba anything. But I'm going to go Julius Randle. Julius Randle's been been kind of balling this past week. Had 25 a week ago. 
Um, 29 against the Bucks, 28 in a triple dub against the Cle against Cleveland, had a double double against Toronto a couple nights ago. Like he's been playing fairly well, and I know like I know the Knicks aren't great or anything, but I mean he's been their best player thus far, and I know that's not saying too much, but he's been he's been looking kind of good. So I'm a, I'm I'm gonna give it to Julius. He's been playing. All right, what about you? Your Western Mamba Player of the Week. Yeah, I got LeBron, too. Like, there have been players who've been doing night playing well in the West, but LeBron's just, he looks like a cut above. Now, the this season, I can tell, is just going to keep being tough, but the Mamba Rookie of the Week, who you got? Mamba Rookie of the Week, I got to go with one LaMelo Ball yeah. for the fact that he, he blew out the, um, he blew out the mask. season it has been kind of like up and down like first game no points second game 13 game after that six then coming off the bench against Dallas had 22 then 15 after that so it's it's interesting because LaMelo could like you said like he could be so many different things but we really don't know yet so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out um I also have LaMelo too all right let's talk league news we got to start with the tough one because it's tough indeed. Against the Nets, John Morant suffered a grade two ankle sprain. It's supposed on schedule to be out the next three to five weeks. So, Ethan, not only, I'm, I'm going to make this a larger scale because you and I both living in Memphis. We know how much John Morant means to this city. So, not just how big of an effect does it have on the Grizzlies, but for the city of Memphis? Uh, I think for the, I'll start for the Grizzlies. Obviously, it's a huge, it's a huge um, blow because we were already without Jaron Jackson Jr., who was a 20-point scorer. We were without Justice Winslow. We don't know what he's going to look like in the Grizzlies uniform, so I'm not really going to speak too much on him. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, like six and seven rebounds, five or six assists. But losing Ja is a blow because we lost our alpha. We lost the head of our team. We lost the head of the snake. He was the guy that people looked to to make big plays, and now that he's gone. As far as the, the feeling around Memphis, it sucks because I think, given the fact that we were in this pandemic, and Memphis is a basketball city. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. Like they love football when football, they love a, fo- a good football team when they're winning. But Memphis loves basketball. Regardless, like, it's, it's out. 
going to be there saving grace. Like, we all, we all didn't expect us, we all didn't expect the Grizzlies to win a bunch of games. But we were going to be excited to watch John in year two, especially after that first game of the season when he dropped 44 against the Spurs. And he kind of had his, like, hey, I'm here moment. And just to see that get taken away literally the first, like, two weeks of the season, it sucks. So I think for the city, it's one of those things where it's like they're one distraction from all the stuff. One of their one of their distractions from all the stuff that's going on in the world just got taken away from them. Yeah, and I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, as far as the team, I would say that it's forcing a lot of people to step up. Dylan Brooks, who I know you have a very love hate relationship with, is going to have to step up. Him, Jonas Valanciunas is going to have to step up. Like guys who have been great supporting members, they are now going to have to start taking over because right now your two best players are out. They're gone. And we kind of have a timetable for job. With uh, Jared, it's more up in the air. So it's really going to test how good of a coach Taylor Jenkins is. How good can he get this team to perform? Because right now it is rough losing those players, of course, especially a player like Ja. Like it, I, I can only imagine, like in the FedEx form, I know it took the energy out. And there weren't even fans there. But I mean, I'm sorry, that's happening in Brooklyn. But I know it took the energy out of Grizzlies fans seeing him go down, especially the way he went down. So, yeah, I know it's going to be tough. But uh, speaking of the Nets, they also have dealt with their injury concerns. Uh, guard Spencer Dinwiddie has suffered a partially torn ACL, and he's going to be out for the year. Now, some people are thinking that this is going to be a huge blow for the Nets. And um, even one commentator, I can't remember who specifically said it, was saying that this is going to be a big blow to their title chances. What are your thoughts on the impact of losing Spencer Dinwiddie for the season? Which sucks. I really like Spencer. Yeah, I like Spencer too. He's one of those dudes that I can see, like, that's a professional athlete that I can honestly see myself hanging out with. Right. Like, I remember uh, when Endgame came out. No, it wasn't Endgame. It was Black. Either it was Endgame or it was Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And he sent out there a tweet saying, he's the league on start the playoffs on the, on this day so I can go see Black Panther in game and I was like yeah this is the type of dude I can see myself hanging around with right. but I don't think I think it's going to be a big blow but I don't think it's going to be the type of blow they could remove them from the playoffs Yeah. and the reason I say this is because like Spencer Dinwiddie he's a good player and but I think that with the way that they're going to be constructed now it'll be better because he's the type of player that needs the ball in his hands. And we all know that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant needs the ball in their hands. And he was in the starting lineup. I think you insert Joe Harris into the starting lineup. He's a better shooter, a way better shooter. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can feed off of KD and Kyrie, especially in the way that Steve Nash is running his offense. Because he's basically running their offense the same way that they run the offense in Golden State. He's just running it a little bit more faster because of his background in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody's, everybody's eating. And people failing to realize that, like, they still have Karis LeVert coming off the bench. And Karis LeVert can drop. He can drop 30, 20. 40. Yeah, on a great night, yeah, he could drop that much. But, like, on a consistent, he could be, he could, he could honestly be in the runner for six man of the year this year. Yeah. So, I don't think it, I think it's a big blow, but I don't think it's going to be like a um, championship altering blow. Mm-hmm. Because, in my personal opinion, Brooklyn has enough pitches still in place on their team that they can do damage, especially in the East. Yeah. Especially now because it's like, 
like teams in the East, a lot of teams in the East aren't the same type of teams. Like Toronto has been looking like Toronto. They've been looking pretty bad this season. A lot of teams are starting off real slow. Like almost everybody besides the Nets, like or at least the teams that we see as playoff contenders, are starting off slow. Cause hell, even the Celtics are uh, three and three. So it's been yeah. it's been slow trading. I agree. I think that oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, I was just gonna say, and like with the way that this season is constructed, this is one of those seasons where like you kind of have to come out the ground full speed ahead, ground running to right. make track because it's a shorter season. It's shorter ten games, and like once the second half of this season gets started, that's when I think a lot of teams are going to be. Because, like, usually around the time of the All-Star break, like, you still got about 40, uh, 45 games to really get yourself together to kind of bounce back. You're not going to have that much time this this year. So I think that, like you said, like, you got to come out the gates hot because now the Nets are playing like a team that already look like they have the number one seed sold up while everybody else is going to be fighting for second, third, fourth place, you know. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that, I think that losing Spencer is going to hurt. But I think that they have enough bodies to be able to live with it. I think that they can still handle it and still be able to put forth a good showing. Like, I don't think it's going to end up being something that's going to cost them a lot of games. Like, I think they're going to miss some of his production. But overall, like you said, like, everybody's eating. And so because everybody is having those performances or everybody does have those opportunities to score, I don't think it's going to be as big of a blow as it could be. But, all right, now, last piece of news. Um, shout out to the women. Speaking specifically of Becky Harmon. Now, Becky Harmon has been on the Spurs coaching staff for a few years now and got her first opportunity to coach an NBA game after uh, Greg Popovich was ejected uh, after two flagrant fouls against the Lakers. Now, um, of this of this historic moment, uh, Bron Bron said, it's a beautiful thing just to hear her barking out calls. She's very passionate about the game. Congrats to her and congrats for our league. Um, and then... When asked about it by reporters, Greg Popovich said this, I know her value and I know her future is very, very bright. We didn't hire Becky to make history. She earned it. So, Ethan, in your opinion, could you see Becky Harmon becoming a full-time head coach in the NBA? Coach, you know, going back to coach. 
I wouldn't be surprised either, especially because she has that familiarity with the roster. And I think what works for her and future female coaches to come, if they make that choice, is the NBA is the most progressive league in the American sports. It's not even close because I love football. I can say I love football all day, but let's be honest. Football is still considered to be a man's sport. So there are women, female assistant coaches in the league, but if a female became a head coach right now, I can tell you without a doubt, the fan base would lose its freaking mind. The players overall would not respect her. It would be it would be a hot mess. Even in baseball, they just got their first female GM. Um, I want to say it was Miami who did it. And but I don't see them ever having a a manager who is a woman. Soccer, I doubt it would work there either. Even in MLS, so I think basketball, the NBA, would be the perfect opportunity and the best chance for a woman to be a full time head coach excuse me, in a men's profession. I think Becky Hammond could be the first one to do it. Like you said, I mean, in San Antonio, like that would be, to me, that's the perfect fit. You already know the players. You have chemistry with them. You know, you learn under Pop. You know how Pop thinks. You know how you think. They know how you coach. Honestly, it would just be a perfect fit for both parties involved. And I can see other teams potentially doing it, but I feel like they would, I feel like other teams will want her to be a um, assistant coach for a while before they actually gave her a head coaching spot. Whereas with the Spurs, I mean, once Pop retires, I genuinely don't know who you would get to replace him. I mean, he's easily one of the greatest head coaches of all time. And so once he retires, I mean, you can't just get some Joe Schmo college coach to come do it. You know, you can't just get anybody to do that job. And I think that Becky would be a tremendous um a tremendous uh, successor to Pop whenever he does decide to call it a career. But all right, let's make our nightly game predictions for tonight, January 2nd, 2021. So let's start things off with the Sacramento Kings versus the Houston Rockets. I got Rockets. Yeah, I got Rockets. Orlando Magic versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think it's going to be a close one. I can see Shy going off, but I'm going Orlando. I'm going Thunder. Indiana Pacers taking on the New York Knicks. I know I praised uh, uh, Julius Randle a lot earlier, but, I mean, the Knicks are still bad. I got Pacers. Yeah, I got Pacers. Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Charlotte Hornets. I got 76ers. Yeah, I got Toronto Raptors or Tampa Raptors taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. I think this game is going to be close. But I think that the Raptors kind of turn the tide, get back on track. So I'm going uh going to Toronto. Uh, I'm going to Raptors too. And finally, the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I got Hawks, even though Sexland is probably going to have a great game. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But all right, let's talk WWE. All right, guys. So happy to get the band back together. Unfortunately, we got to start off with the Terry guys. So, you know. No, I lied. We're going to start off with something better. 2020 is over. Thank God. But you want to know the best part of 2020? Our end of the year WWE award show. So you should mosey on down to the export.net and listen to it.
We give out a lot of awards, good, bad, the ugly. We talk the highs and lows of the wrestling year. The wrestlers who deserve better. The ones we got sick of seeing on our TV. The ones who looked hotter this year than they ever did before. And the other ones who, we hate to say it, but uh, should have stayed their old behind at home. So be sure to mosey on down, check it out. I, th I had a lot of fun. Let us know your picks for these awards. Let us know who we got wrong, which ones we got right, and uh, who you think will be winning these awards a year from now. Bottom me. Now to Terry. I'll say this. I don't like Hulk Hogan. Never have liked Hulk Hogan. The only thing I like about him is his theme song. But in terms of being the next big thing in the business, he was that. Got to give him that. Because he was the WWE for much of the 80s and early 90s. But he see he has his eyes set on another superstar to be the next big thing. He said this. Right now, there's another guy that's stumbling into that situation. Next big thing status. You know, acting like he doesn't know what's going on, but he's smart as hell. That's the bro, Riddle, who kicks his flip-flops off when he comes into the ring. I've been watching him and he's got really good instincts. He's really got a good aptitude for understanding what needs to be done, you know. So, for once in your life, do you agree that Matt Riddle is the next big thing in wrestling? I would say it's a mixture of yes and no. Mm -hmm. um, I would say yes. <clears throat> I would say um, potentially yes because we, we all know how good um, Matt Riddle is in the ring. Um, he's a fantastic talent and like the stuff he just does, like. We we all know like the thing that Matt Riddle does is just literally just him turn it to a hundred and just do it. He's just doing it on TV. Like it's not really a gimmick for Matt Riddle. It's just him being himself. But um, also that also could also have a shelf life. That's why I also say no as well. Cause it it could get old. Yeah. You know. Like like it's it's very it's very entertaining to watch. But um, I feel like. Eventually, he is going to have to change up at least just a little bit so he just doesn't get still super fast. Ethan, what do you think? Is Matt Riddle the next big thing in wrestling? Yes, just because I'm not. I'm gonna give y'all a little spoiler for those of you who've not listened to the end of the year show. But I gave him a. He was a recipient of a pretty darn good award for his in ring ability. It was, and it was a tough one, but he earned it. And like we've seen in his flashes with Raw and SmackDown, like he can put forth a good match when one he actually gets time and two they actually you know use him. So I would say yeah, like in that retrospect, yeah. And as far as his character, I think that if it got not necessarily changed, but refined a little bit, yeah. like to make it a bit more cohesive as opposed to him just, you know, like, bro, like we get it. You're like the cool stoner dude who just so happens to be able to kick somebody's ass. Like, that's awesome. But we also, 
we kind of had that with RVD. He wasn't like as blatant with it, but I mean, he was still, you know, we, got, we, all, we all knew. Him. We all knew. So I think if he was able to like kind of hone in on a little bit, but still be able to showcase his personality, I think he'd be fine. But speaking about somebody who already has submitted themselves, they have a legacy, literally have nothing else to prove, Sting. Now, a couple months ago, he set social media on fire when he popped up at AEW, but he's yet to have a match. And um, even Booker T, oh, good old Booker, was like, man, you're too old for this. For Sting to want to have a match, I wouldn't advise it, okay? 61 years old, I wouldn't advise it. Is it worth it? I don't know. So do you fellas think that Sting can prove the doubters wrong and put forth not only a match, but one where he does not get severely injured because, you know, he's old, and two, that's actually a good match? I would say possibly yes, but I wouldn't, like, bank on it. Because, like, <clears throat> especially given um, the younger talents today, um, the, uh, I would say some of the younger talents, some of them can be um, stiff. You know, like I said, he's 61 years old. He still had his last match. Like, he's still is like one of the safest wrestlers like in WWE right now. Like, he got injured from a buckle bomb, which basically ended his, which basically ended his career. All right, could could he potentially do it? Y- yes, but given like the nature of wrestling right now, I I agree with Booker. He he doesn't need to like. Like the stuff he's doing with Darby Allen right now, I feel like that's fine. He doesn't have to step into the ring to um prove that he's a great wrestler. He could be a mentor for the younger talent. Um, do I do I even see him being being in the ring? Like for at least one match, yeah. Could it be could it be a decent match? Yes, like given um who his opponent might be. Um, I don't think it'll be like a match in a night type of thing, but I feel like it could be a decent match. But he doesn't need to step into the ring again. Ethan, what do you think? Do we need more Sting? Oh, I'm gonna say no. We don't need more Sting because I, I personally, I never have seen any of Sting's matches in his career, and so I'm not. It's Yeah, and I and I didn't watch that match because I was like, bro, I'm not about to watch self wrestler old guy that I don't know nothing about. No offense, but I think that you know he might put on a decent match. I'm in agreement with Keys where it depends on his opponent. Like me personally, if I were if I were to put Sting in a match against anybody in AEW, it would have to be Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho he's another he's another older competitor himself. Yeah, leave it to the young men, you know, the 50-year-olds, <laughs> young <laughs> geezer. Because isn't, yeah, Chris Jericho's almost 50. Yeah, um, it's like, because I can put potentially see this thing, like, face, I think probably Cody Rhodes over there, or, and maybe even Darby Allen himself, but, like, like like I said, his match, his match, like, was it, it was decent for what it was. Like I said, he got injured, like, mid-match, but had to end it. Uh, um, Yo, cool. Like I said, he, 
like I feel like his his body like he's he's six man his body literally just cannot keep up. So I feel like even if he did have wrestling match, it will probably be a slower paced match. Like or as, as the commentators are like a methodical match, you know. Like Randy Orton. Like I feel like it, the, he they have to slow the pace down on just um or at least um plan out the match ahead of time. Like like I said like it could be decent enough like like a passing match, but. As far as like a full in-ring career, like I'll I'll leave it like maybe one, maybe two matches left in him. I would think the only way it could really work as far as him having a match is a cinematic match. And though I'm not the biggest fan of those, it will allow him like to do stuff that's mm-hmm. cool, but also like he wanted to do it all in the same motion. He'd be able to get breaks, soothe his old bones, like it doesn't all have to be done in front of a live audience with judging eyes around like it would give him more time to just relax because i know the boneyard graveyard match whatever at mania didn't they say like took all day to record like eight hours to film some ridiculous they took longer and i think um when um taker said like um it was kind of difficult like i said he's old too so like the more breaks they took like damn my body's getting kind of stiff like because they were doing they're doing all this action then taking breaks your body like your body tightens up. Yeah, yeah. You, you you lose that adrenaline. But um, we saw the end result of it. Like it was fine. But I think it was kind of cold outside as well. I can believe it. Uh, like it was in March. So yeah. But yeah, I would have that be the case because right now just a straight up live one on one match. No, and then AEW kind of likes to push the grain. They don't really like to do traditional matches. So it'd probably be some <laughs> sort of stipulation, which means he's gonna get hit with weapons, and we just don't need that. Y'all don't need to see a dead man. Well, we'll actually, see. you guys we'll are trying to compete. Body. You're trying to compete with the WWE, so you never know. Maybe that's what they want, you know? Maybe you they see, really you want You set some on fire. How about we... Kill um, an old man live. You know? Right in front of you. And Darby Allen, he, he is kind of crazy. Yeah. And Carter Rose, he, he loves having the... As this man would call it, blood and guts, you know? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? But all right, uh, speaking of crazy, it's time for some bold predictions. Closing out today's show, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. Let's make a list. And this list is going to be the top five bowl predictions we have for the year 2021. So, fellas, how do y'all want to play this? You all just want to go at one time. We each bounce off our number five, four, three, two. What, what do y'all want to do? Let you guys pick. All right. Okay. okay. All right, Ethan, for you, your number five bowl prediction for the year. I'd cry, but he needs to. I wouldn't be surprised. I see that. All right, for me, I'm going to say Aleister Black returns to NXT and eventually becomes NXT champion again. I would say for me, Triple H is no longer in charge of NXT. That would hurt my feelings and so Because, like, just given from, you know how Vince is, how he is about ratings and, and um, AEW, they've, they've, been in, they've been beating NXT in the ratings, like... Cause he already he already um vetoed Triple H's um decision to want, want Charlotte to be um Charlotte to lose to Rhea mm-hmm. like like te- he still works for Vince technically so I can still see Vince like hey nah I feel that uh, I uh, I could see it happening that would hurt my feelings all right Ethan you're number four. So you think Makes he's going to retire, Mr. Randall? We're going to retire together. Like, <laughs> Radio RKO for life, which actually was a 
Good team. No. It really was. It, it was put together really for one purpose, but by golly, we're going to take it. For me, uh, Undisputed Era will be the next batch of post-mania call-ups, and they will end the year all draped in gold. The prophecy, you know. Just bring it and turn it up and not. Who said it was just there on NXT? No, no, no. Um, I would say my number four is that they actually she pushed tag teams more. Yeah. You said both. You said both predictions. So that's that's a very bold. That's a be your number one. That's funny. That's funny. But come on, they need tag teams. Like, just, if it, they need tag teams for men and women, like. Y'all can sign more women and put them in tag teams. We don't have the money for it. What? Yes, yes they do. Fox we don't have the money for it. Fox uh, billions of dollars. Shut your mic off. All right, Ethan, you're number three. Who you got? What do you got? Uh, number three, Kevin Owens going to win a major title this year. I don't know which one. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Uh, For me, number three, Bianca Belair will be SmackDown Women's Champion by SummerSlam and hold it for the rest of the year. Hmm. That's a good prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say number three for moi is that Brock Lesnar actually returns. I can see that. That's my without a crowd. I'm still getting 500 grand to show up. Yeah. So. My crowd or no crowd. I, I'll be <laughs> the money's still the same. I, I might not be as much, but I, I show up every... Six months. Yeah, give me my money. All right, Ethan, <laughs> what about you? Numero dos. Numero dos. Uh, I can see Roman and Drew starting a feud at some point, and one of them, and Drew beating Roman for the title. Okay. That'd be interesting. Number two, mine also has something to do with Roman. Roman Reigns does not lose another match clean until Money in the Bank, where he will be defeated the same night that the new Money in the Bank winner is crowned. I don't know who yet, but that's how he's going to lose the title. My number two for me is that we actually get Evolution 2. Oh, can we? That'd be it, fucking awesome. When, when's the last in 2018 or 2017? 18. 18, yeah, it was 18. Let's see. You know, three years later, maybe. Hopefully. Hey, Evolution 2, you know. Y'all, you got talented women over there. There. You should use them. Be a shame. You just got Sonya Deville back, you know? I'm happy about Sonya back in the suit. She said, Daddy's home. And then she's just winking at um, Liv like, oh, my. And I don't appreciate how <laughs> I think Tommaso Chop might have something to say about her. So, you know, saying Daddy's home is fine. All right, Ethaniel, your number one bold prediction for the year. Fun him and Dom, and then his then it has an evolution moment. Down. <laughs> uh, mine is Oscar is going to retire by the end of the year. I think she's gonna call it quits. She's been doing it for a long time. There's nothing less to prove. I want to go back to Jim. And I'll say number one for me, Big E is the one to beat Roman Reigns for the Universal Title. Well, I don't know how he's gonna do it, but you know. Those folks are wrong stuff. We didn't ask the house. We said the what? Because I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to you. That's I've been big. listening to his promo from Paul Heyman to Biggie. Like, huh? Yeah, you better stop putting these thoughts in my head. <laughs> like, hmm. This thing, he probably said this ain't to anything. Kind of title is great. 
when when, when it looks better. That blue that blue universal title. Blue. Don't ever say that again, though. Okay. And he he says Rangzing the fit. I know, but the blue universal is just that's just that's. Now, have you ever seen that match one on one? Biggie and Roman. I don't think we have. Huh. But that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please you should check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours, Sheila Fell Export Writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Fellas, is there anything you'd like to say before we close out the show? I have just one thing, just one thing. Baltimore, please love God, just win tomorrow. Damn. Do whatever else you want after that. Please just win tomorrow. Thank you. Bradley, I want my title back. Are you posing a challenge for the NPC game title? You know, things are coming. Just just check out the YouTube channel, NPC Game. We're just posting new some new content today, actually. Ooh, fancy! Let's yeah, go. You go check it out. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. The wrestling matches are always fun. But all right, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you all next time.